to the Representing Rural Podcast. I am Candace Williams, and this is part two of our Rural Challenges in Post-Election 2020 conversation um, that RCA staff members Matt Grandin and Candy Webb joined me on. Um, this is a little delayed. <laughs> I apologize about that. Um, I took some time off, and uh, we've still been working and, you know, trying to end the year in a good way, but um, definitely wanted you all to hear this second part of the conversation that we had. Thanks for tuning in. One of the problems, I think, with uh, the roads are, uh, some of the roads are getting used, uh, how they're not being intended due to growth. I know, heavy trucks. Yeah, uh, heavy trucks and dump trucks. We'll use a little county road that has just maybe an inch or two of mm -hmm. asphalt and chat underneath it and over just about a month, it'll just destroy that road. And you can see it happening over a month or two. The road just gets absolutely destroyed. But and a lot of that's due to growth because uh, some towns have expanded and some quarries went in to deal with construction and cement trucks to, to a new business. So a lot of these county roads are built to a different standard than a main highway and they just can't support the weight of a heavy truck whether it be a delivery truck or a dump truck, but I've seen plenty of roads in the county just get absolutely mangled by dump trucks that run up and down on a daily basis. So uh, maybe there just needs to be some sort of standard set on where a dump truck should travel. Yeah. Um, so you have dump trucks and we have like farm equipment. So I guess that's same thing. Same thing. Like the weight. Yeah. They're built for the weight. Logging trucks. Yeah, we, we have an insane amount of logging trucks right now. Mm -hmm. So I know um, um, one of our members in Sarsi County, he brought up the fact that um, on one of their streets in downtown, downtown Leslie, um, that big trucks come through and one hit um, Serenity. Uh, the, yeah, that was a historical uh, building too, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So there may be needs to be some restrictions on where, because Google Maps is gonna take you to the shortest route. So apparently going through Leslie is a shorter route coming from another part of the county or another uh, county. And it's not safe for big trucks to go through that part of, of that downtown or any probably rural downtown area. I know there's a, there's, I think there's two towing companies that make their living in Mountain Judy, Arkansas. There's a section 123, it says before you even turn onto it, says no big trucks because the switchbacks are so tight you can't pull a trailer up the hill mm -hmm. and but every year they pull how, how many trucks off that hill these big records they'll have to get up there and tandem and work those trucks back down the hill because they wedged themselves up on up on the side of that road and can't get off of it it's up there by Sam's Throne, okay. between Sam's Throne and, and Mount Judy and I'm sure everybody that's ever been up there knows what I'm talking about but um, they make their living uh, fixing that problem, so I don't know if there's a, any better way you can do it or not. Is there, this is an awful long question, but is there not a way that Google Maps or whatever map service, a universal map rule that mm -hmm. historic downtowns, I mean like avoid, I mean a message on there that trucks can? Because I know uh, it, if you don't, if you're paying attention to your map, mm -hmm. you're not paying attention to the signs. Right. So they probably aren't even seeing the signs. A lot of the map services now have have the posted speed limits on their actual screen. Yeah, I, I have that too, but I but don't like know if it that was 
a way to you saying like to integrate like a an alert to say yes. hey this may large, be somewhere you don't need to go yeah, if you're large trucks yeah not, not allowed or whatever i wonder how you could go seen, about doing it i've never it. seen any of those mm-hmm. i've seen a road road hazard alert yeah and speed maybe travel alert add, and maybe see, we could add yeah. another hazard system maybe so maybe so that's something for us to look into um check out on google google maps and apple maps all the map services to see exactly how we can get those put into there because it's you know it's tearing up our you know our treasure downtown areas that you know are already you know you got kids on the square down there they don't need to be dodging a big right wheeler rolling right. through hitting the jet brake trying to stop for that 90 corner mm-hmm. on the square silly Especially when there's a better way to go. Mm-hmm. But you know, anymore, if your phone doesn't tell you, you don't bother paying attention. You <laughs> right. hear your little voice telling you, don't you turn. don't see signs on the road. <laughs> so you're lucky to use a stoplight at this point. <laughs> so, our upcoming legislative session, um, we had our policy council at the end of October, and um, our members brought out some of the things that we've always advocated for broadband. Something new was our um, a new or a newer initiative around our rural school buildings after consolidation. They've been left in communities and they still can be utilized. That's something that we 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 will be um, advocating for during the legislative session. Um, of course, public education, but whew, this legislative session will be to me is still a mystery um, because I, I'm not sure how citizens. Uh, will be able to interact and to testify and everything before committee. Something I have heard is that that it'll probably like a Zoom, like they'll allow people to do virtual testimonies. So, so you're going to get to be online to do a Zoom in the communities that don't have internet? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> I mean, we can't even get our kids to sit in front of a teacher. What are we going to do? Get the telegraph out. Oh my goodness, there's so much still not understood about our barriers in rural Arkansas. So, and you know what's sad is a lot of those folks are from those very towns that don't have the service. And right. it's like they get to Little Rock and forget. Right. So we're, we're still crafting our policy agenda and waiting to hear how uh, the legislator will uh, proceed and, um, and, and we'll go from there. Um, so I'm going to get on a few more things. So um, COVID-19 now is, is surging quite a bit in, uh, in Arkansas as a whole. Um, on today, I think it was the highest number recorded. Um, how, how is your community faring um, with COVID-19? I know there's a bit of fatigue right now and the mixed messages starting out, it really hindered, I guess, the um, how receptive people were to to um, to the guidelines and things like that. So, uh, I guess your just your feedback on. on I think uh, it was reported that Harrison, Arkansas, had the highest per capita in Arkansas or something like that not too long ago. But um, this is another thing that has a lot to do with being rural. I mean, I don't consider Harrison, Arkansas, rural, but according. Yeah. The state definition is, mm-hmm. but there's that's the only hospital within until you go all the way over to Mountain Home, you know, or over to Berryville. So yeah, there's going to be more cases in Harrison simply because people have to travel from out of town so to get treatment mm-hmm. in Harrison. What I see when I go into town is 
students and young adults and the older folks wearing their masks, mm-hmm. staying apart, them using their hand sanitizer. And then you have people my age, 30 to 50, um, that act like it's just a normal, you know, I, I think that our problem area is my generation. Your age group? My age group. What's that? The, the I'm 44. The baby boomers. <laughs> Am I, I don't know. I'm 44, so no. whatever that generation is. No, no. That's a, a millennial. No. I am not a millennial. <laughs> no, she's not a millennial. Oh my I was born in 1976, so whatever that generation is, the forgotten generation. Me. Um, we, we are not wearing our masks. And I comply. Um, I, I mean, I was just at the promenade today uh, to and there were people everywhere without their mask on. Now they're pretty ticky about going in the stores, right? Right. But as far as being on the sidewalks, they're well, just walking around. And my son was diagnosed with it. He didn't even know he had it, but he had to quarantine because one of the kids at school got it. So he quarantined for I don't know how many days—14, 15—and we had to get tested, and and he tested positive. He didn't. I mean, he was one of those lucky people that didn't suffer any type of illness from it and he's and we were stuck in a house with him for those 14 days he was quarantined and then after he got tested positive and quarantined for another uh, he was almost quarantined for like 30 something days oh and we, we was he was in our house with us you know and none of the other members of the family even got it yeah and we too. weren't wearing masks all the time or anything so i don't know how how uh transmittable it is but um he did keep his distance pretty well from us okay but i mean we're gonna live close living space for 30 days i mean you'd think you'd think one of us would have caught it mm-hmm. but no I, I will say one of the um sideline issues that COVID has brought about for me on a personal level mm-hmm. is the latex allergy oh yeah His restaurants are all using gloves now mm-hmm. and um latex gloves are less expensive apparently Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm eating more at home now because of the latex issue versus the COVID issue because I can't I can't have the food that's been handled. So I, while we're using gloves and we're using our mask and it's just there's it's a cascade of just other issues that are being created. Mm-hmm. And mean, now we're in flu season, so I mean if we're all wearing masks and washing our hands, we should see a drop in the flu. I would hope, uh, but. Uh... Uh, I don't think a lot of people have been the fatigue set in of being I don't know not not having a clear message first that was the first thing and then people just being tired um, I guess feeling like they were constrained so that it just set in and people got relaxed and things like that but um, especially I think 18 educators have died now in Arkansas so um i don't know it's just and so many people have said today that they were recording this podcast it's been the highest reported day um, so i would just encourage everyone to comply so we can just get through this i know you're tired but just just do everything you can to make sure you keep you and your family safe okay so to the election so um <laughs> Um, where do we start? Um, so the electoral college meets December the I think I said the fourteenth. 
December the 14th, and that's when they officially, you know, decide on who's the president. But as of now, it does look like um, Joe Biden will be the president of the United States. Um, I know there are some things in court and um, there will be some recounts done or are being done now. Um, so um, a lot of attention was put on that presidential race. And I know, especially in Arkansas, or, or my experience, what I've seen, I worked the polls on election day and I talked to uh, people throughout rural Arkansas leading up to it. And there was not enough attention put on the down ballot, on the people that we elected to Congress, on even our ballot issues. So um, just your take on like uh, post-election, either your community or the communities that you work with. This was the first time I actually felt like, why bother voting? Mm. I was pretty disgusted with the process. But then I got there and I looked at all the local initiatives and our local representatives that were running. And I left the voting booth thinking, I'm glad I went and voted. Glad because, to be too. <laughs> because there are things still be decided, things mm -hmm. will make a, an immediate difference immediate, yeah. in our community, in our in our state, that we have a say in. Uh, I know a lot of people, if you're a Democrat, uh, thought, well, my vote doesn't count, so I go vote. No, your vote counts. It might not count in the presidential election this year, but it sure as heck counts in your local elections and, your, and as far as your representatives. You mean, as, you mean Arkansas being a, a, a real yeah, state? A people, red state. People yeah, a lot of people said, well, you, why'd you even vote? I don't I mean, I normally vote as a Republican, um, but I'm more of an independent than anything. And I just thought, you know what? When I showed up and I sat there and I read through the local issues and everything we got voted on, I left there feeling, you know what? I'm glad I showed up and I'm glad I had a say in that process because there were some important issues that dealt more directly with me in my life than the presidential election. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that. I, I think one of the things I want to really focus on with our youth, especially, is to help them understand how important they are to their local elections, mm -hmm. their local governments. Because um, we put entirely too much power in the hands of the president. Mm -hmm. We put entirely too much attention on those election processes and completely ignore the fact that Dermont had how many women on their ticket this year? Right. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of women. There were a lot of yeah. women that <laughs> ran. And I mean, yeah. I only knew because I had youth there. Mm -hmm. Well, that should have been a big deal. Right. To everybody, all of our RCA member communities, mm -hmm. that we, we are stepping up and moving forward and doing so on a very local level. And it is unfortunate that a lot of our kids right now that I'm, I'm finding don't even know whether they're um, incorporated. They don't know yep. who their council members are. Mm -hmm. um, some of them, the only reason they know is because their mama makes them go because she sits on the council and, and they don't know what they do. I mean, I, I don't, I, that to me is just such a disservice, but they don't, they don't have any idea even what we do on a state level. Right? There's definitely a disproportionate amount of uh, reporting going to the presidential election. Um, yes, the president is an important office and a lot of times a decision-making office, but you know, a lot of the, the, 
the life changing and situation changing decisions get made at lower levels and influence there is much more important, mm -hmm. uh, especially in your local government. Uh, because you know what? The president doesn't know your name. <laughs> but you know, the, the kids that, that I got to work with, the only office they knew anything about was Trump versus Biden. Oh, that was it. Wow. And we had a whole down ballot of people in issues. Thankfully, they weren't voting this year. Yeah. So but we're going to work on that. Yeah. So when next time, when they get a chance to be at the polls, and some of them, that'll be next year, they will know to look. I know the presidential race won't mm -hmm. be uh, an issue, but they'll know to look for what's important to them in their community. It's not just about what's happening in Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm especially excited about the work that you're doing with our youth uh, network to make sure that they you know, are informed citizens and voters when their time comes. So um, moving forward, do you want to speak a little bit about things you have planned for our youth network around civic engagement? And So I am um, working my way through the communities. Um, I have some study packs that we're going to be doing that, that really focuses on and we, we are starting at the national level mm -hmm. because that's our most recent event. Mm -hmm. um, and then working our way down very quickly to the local level, um, just really focused on civics, understanding the terms that come along with our um, legislative processes, the laws, the um, just in general, what we are and what we mean to mm -hmm. our government. Um, I want them to understand that our elected officials are in service to us, mm -hmm. that we are to hold them accountable. Um, if you choose to be an elected official, what your job is, it's not about what you want to do, but what about what your constituents want you to do. Um, and I, I, I look forward to working with the adults that are taking leadership in those communities because a lot of those adults ran for office this year. Yeah, so yeah. they have a very um, personal experience to share with kids. And I'll be excited when we can actually have um, uh, communities come together, those groups come together oh, and talk day. about their experiences. And um, I would love to hear the North Central experience versus the the uh, Delta experience. Right, right, so, right. Such a small state, but so so it's so diverse. Yes. Every, every region is different. Yep. It was a great experience for me. I mean, like I said, I, I left the ballot booth walking out to my truck thinking I was glad to be an American, glad to actually participate in the voting process. Whereas I walked in there kind of indifferent about the whole thing because I was focusing too much on the presidential election. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, I didn't have a candidate I preferred. And that, that yeah. to begin with, so uh, it was almost a let me see where I stopped. I think I spent too much time watching the news about it and not paying enough attention to our local issues. And and it was a lesson that I'm going to try and take part in the next election. So definitely pay attention to what's going on in our state. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you all for this conversation around uh, the rural challenges that we still have. Uh, post-election 2020 and things that we plan on doing to continue to advocate for our rural communities. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks.